Welcome to the Flyers Nation show. I'm your host, Alexa Roth. We have a great interview for you guys today with Taryn Hatcher, NBC Sports Zone, talking all about a typical game day, what to expect, and some of her favorite memories in Flyers hockey. Check it out. Joining me now is NBC Sports Zone, Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, I'm trying to like hide the messy part of my house I haven't cleaned yet because the schedule, the crazier the schedule gets, the more in disarray my house becomes. So I'm trying to like hide my kitchen over here so you can just see the part of the house that I've already cleaned today. Um, but I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I am great. We have a lot to talk about, specifically Flyers related things. Take me through a typical game day, first and foremost, especially as the schedule picks up and gets a little crazier. Uh, it's, it's wild. So if they're home, I'll usually go about an hour early for morning skate. So if morning skates like 1030, I'll try to get there get in there at 930, just because I want to go through the final version of the media notes that we get, um, to see if there's anything on the other, usually the other team side that I want to do some additional research on. Uh, and then morning skate for the flyers is at 1030. I'll go to that. There's a post morning skate press conference. I go to those. And then I'll usually go back up I, our studio. Our content room is in the Wells Fargo center, which is great. Cause that's where they do morning skate now. Um, so I'll head back up to my desk. I'll usually write part of the show, like stuff that I know won't change. Um, I'll try to just write, or, or if there's like a stat that I know I wanted to include, I'll just throw that in a script to write it later before it like falls out of my brain, never to be found again. And then go home, try to get a workout in, try to eat something uh and go back to work at like so I usually get home around noon and then I try to leave for work again at like three and then I get into the station at you know like 3 30 ish and finish writing the show spend as little time as I can get away with doing my hair and makeup which sends my mom through the roof makes her absolutely she's like Taryn you couldn't get like a better blush like it just freaks her out I'm like mom I don't it's the least it's the last thing I do before I go on air and then I go on air and do the show and sit there with either Al or Scott or both. And we just shoot the breeze watching the game. Um, it's nice now, people don't know this, but we haven't had editors in our newsroom for uh, since COVID started. And now we have editors back. So we can actually like watch the things we're going to talk about on intermission live, like in replays, we can request specific parts of plays, which is really nice because before you're flying a little bit blind in intermission lives. Um, now we're not, it's a lot more fun because we can really tailor it how we want. And then hopefully if the game gets done in regulation, it's an East East coast game. Then uh, we're usually off air by like 10 30. I go home, have a glass of wine, <laughs> try to unwind <laughs> because I come home and I'm wired. Um, and yeah. And that's, that's the game day. I would completely feel you as you talk about the minimal effort for hair and makeup. I totally understand. It's a struggle and anybody who's watching will soon learn. My mom is, I mean, this, if you can see me right now, like this is what it is, but my mom is such a girly girl too. Like she's not like, I talk about the power play and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But she's like, Taryn, some dry shampoo in the hair. Come on. Like, so yeah, it's, it's funny. And she keeps, it keeps, she's so sweet, but it really keeps me humble for sure. Having, you know, having your family so close and being able to watch you all the time, what has that been like for you just being able to work in your home market covering a team that you grew up, you know, you spent your life watching? Really cool. Um, 
you know, the, the credit to my parents, like they would watch every broadcast when I was out in Hawaii too, they would stream it online. Like, and it would be a six hour time difference sometimes. So if I was on a, at 11 o'clock at night, like they or sorry, 10 o'clock at night there, they would stream it, you know, whatever they would watch the next day. Um, so they've always watched everything, but it is really fun because that was, um, like I would say my family outside of my dad also really raised me watching women's sports. Like I watched a ton of women's college basketball, a ton of women, of women's soccer. Um, like the Philadelphia charge was the first team that I ever loved, but outside of that, like flyers hockey was our, of the Philly big four, that was our number one. So it was cool. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, hit me until in that sense, until like I'm watched, I'm at the alumni game and there's like Scott and Simone Gagne and Darian Hatcher's there and Eric Lindros walks in and John LeClaire is there. And then I'm like, this is so wild. Like I can't, and Mike Knubel is there. Like, and it's crazy because I can remember when my dad would like every once in a while, his buddy, his buddy had really great tickets and we would get to sit like right up to the boards and I just remember looking at like Darian Hatcher thinking like, oh my God, that guy's a giant and he hits so hard and all, you know, and of course we have the same last name, which I always thought was really cool, but um, yeah, it is, it's, it's very surreal, but then in the moments where you're at work, you, I don't actually really think about it um, generally because everybody's, I mean, you know, this from being in news, like you're running too fast to really like live in the moment a lot of days. Um, but like the alumni game, I was, I worked during the day and I actually just got to go watch with my friends at night. And I got to kind of hang out in the center city club after the game was done when all the alumni came in, like I was just talking about. And I was just like, what is going on? And Natalie Aganoff is one of my best friends. And she's always wanted to meet Eric Lindros. She is born and raised like bleeds flyer talkie. And she never met Eric Lindros. And I got to introduce her and then seeing how excited she is, like makes me all excited again. Those moments I just, I absolutely live for. Are those early memories that you had, you know, just at the rink and things like that, are those the things that made you want to go into sports? Yes. I mean, if I'm being totally transparent, I think the thing that more than anything made me want to go into sports was I was super competitive and super athletic, but like I watched so many women's professional soccer leagues come and then fold where I would go to these camps and, and I knew the girls made no money. Like and I knew I just wanted to be around sports. I love the challenge. And you know, this business is a challenge to break into. Everybody would tell me how hard it is to get jobs in this industry. And I was like, that's the wrong thing to say to me. Like that just makes me want to work more. Um, and, and then just seeing how much people enjoyed their jobs who covered the teams. That's really what made me like when I realized it was a job, it was Dick Vitale was the first person that as like a nine or 10 year old, I was like, that's that guy's job. Like he's yelling on TV at a basketball game. That's his job. And then it was just about figuring out what was the best fit for me. NBC figuring out where they needed someone who had my particular skills or talents or whatever. Um, but I feel so lucky because when I was an intern at Comcast sports in like 2013, I remember Marshall Harris, who was there at the time asked me like what my dream job was. And I said, I would like to do Molly Sullivan was with the Sixers at the time. I was like, I'd love to do what Molly does, but for the Flyers, but they don't have that. And he was like, yeah, they don't. So you're going to have to think of a different job that you'd like to do. Um, but he was like, but keep it, you know, keep it in mind. Marshall always encouraged me. And I was like, keep it in mind, keep it in mind. And then I came back 
And I wasn't, that's not what I was hired to NBC Sports Philadelphia to do. I was hired back to anchor and host everything, like basically fill in wherever they needed, whenever they needed. And then they said they wanted to, they auditioned all of these ringside reporters and they didn't, they either didn't know Flyers hockey history that much, or they weren't a fit. They weren't like a, like Philly is a specific sports town. Um, and I don't know that even my, like, I wasn't super stoked with like my first year, the, the way there's, I have a lot of critiques of myself that first year, but, um, but they were just like, this is something we'd love to try you out at if you're willing to do it. And we know how much you love Flyers hockey. And we think that you could excel here. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, and I'm so I like, I can't even imagine if I had been like, no, I think I'll just keep trying to like fill in on NBC 10 or something like, cause now it's, I think covering the flyers is the best, the best team you can cover in Philly. They're so easy to work with it's so much, even like they're struggling right now. My my stories from work are still better than a lot of other people's stories from work because they're just such a great group of people to work with. So I'm very lucky for sure. What has been the most rewarding part about this, you know, the entirety of your time at NBC Sports Philadelphia so far? Honestly, I think the most rewarding part was like when I was like 19 and 20 and I was an unpaid intern and I was just like busting my butt so broke waitressing at Chickies and Pete's taking like 20 credits of classes because I wanted to graduate early and then I would come in on extra shifts at NBC then was Comcast Sportsnet um just to try to like get FaceTime with like the producers and the anchors and stuff the fact that like I when I was 20 I was like someday it's gonna pan out like this is all gonna be for something like I swear it's go like I'm gonna make it work it's gonna happen for me I'm just gonna suck it up and not sleep and be okay being here now makes me much more proud of like what I did then now it's fun like now I get paid and it's fun and I I, like I this is my life this is my job it's so awesome I can't believe it back then it was a lot more like mucking and grinding your way through the day um and so that for me is like very very fulfilling and then just the people I work with I mean Scott is cooler in real life than he is on TV. Al is more fun in real life than he's on TV. Joe Fordyce, our producer, who most people, if you listen to our podcast, you know who he is. Most people don't know. is so great to work with. Jordan Hall is a gem. Like JJ and Jonesy, the whole, I mean, being on the road with Coatsy alone for like two years is something that everyone should experience in life. It was like the single most entertaining thing I've ever done. So all of it is really like, I'm so blessed. It's unreal. I'm with you there as a former Comcast Sportsnet turned NBC Sports Philadelphia intern. When did you intern there? The fall of 2017. So I was there then. And so I had the people that I look to and kind of still talk to and love to follow and still keep up with me. Now that you're back full time, is there one person that you go to all the time for advice or somebody that's really kind of makes your day-to-day that much better? Amy Fadul. Amy Fadul. Amy Fadul is the best. She's so smart. Like when I was an intern, I remember being so intimidated by like her width of knowledge, like how much stuff that she knows about and the amount of details she knows on all those varying subjects. I was so intimidated. I was like, I'm not this well-versed. And a lot of that, I remember her telling me back then, like, she's like, well, I experienced this. Like I lived it. I was in the business. I worked those days. And now if you asked me about a Flyers game three years ago, I could probably tell you in detail about that specific game, what I remember from it. But back then that was so, her knowledge was so impressive. 
and she's so nice and she's so funny. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not real big on the, like having, being a woman in sports, like shape my perspective on things. I I honestly don't think about it that much. And I didn't in my approach to like getting jobs. I didn't, I just was always really competitive and I wanted to be the best. I don't care if it's against guys, girls, or dogs. Like I don't care, but having Amy in moments when there's something going on that, that honestly only another female can understand whether it's a guy making like a terrible comment about your appearance or, you know, just having like a really rough time in terms of this thing or that thing where, where you're running way behind and like people don't realize us girls have to waste like an extra 20 minutes to half an hour of our day getting ready to go on air where the guys walk in and they throw powder on their face, comb their hair and walk outside and having somebody be like, where I can go, Amy, can you please just go turn on the curling iron? Like I'm jamming right now. And I just, I need to like get ready so fast. And she's like, I got you T and like, we'll run in. Um, but Amy, I mean, on so many levels, is just such a gem. Um, and when I came back and Natalie Eganoff was still at the Mike Missinelli show, which is on NBC airs on NBC sports, Philadelphia, um, Natalie's become one of my like best friends sounding boards as well. Marshall Harris was too, but he had left right when I came in, he was the one who actually like put me on about the job and was like, Hey, get your reel ready. There's going to be a job opening here. And Marshall kind of held my hand and walked me through it as a mentor, which but I was always so, so thankful for it. Cause you know, you don't really, you don't really expect the talent to give you the, you know, this. like, you don't expect the talent to give you the time of day when you're just like some lowly intern. Um, so now, and every single one of us has been like, don't thank me, just pay it forward. So now whenever like we have interns again, we haven't had them in so long. I try to do my best to pay it forward because, you know, it sticks with you. It does matter. I mean, I'm sure, do you have somebody like that from, Anywhere you've interned? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Marshall was a big one for me also because Marshall was still there when I was there. Danny mm-hmm. Pommels as well. Shout out Danny. Danny. Brooks, you know, all of those kinds of guys. They were, you know, never looked at you any different, never made you feel like you didn't belong there. Always wanted to know how you were, what you were doing and get you hands-on involved. Jess Gamarato too. Huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge for me. Um, yeah. She, I still I miss her. her between between my internship and when she started and then when I started and she wasn't here anymore, I just missed her. But the things I hear about her were like, I always was like, damn, what a bummer that she wasn't here because I just, I love like a smart, likable friend in the news. You know what I mean? It's just so helpful to feel like you can ask questions without someone being like, that's dumb. (laughs) Cause sometimes you don't like, I get asked the thing is, I don't know if you feel this way. People still think of hockey as like a niche sport to a certain extent. And so they have no problem like asking me questions about like the second D pairing, which I'm like, come on, they're the top four demon. Like you don't know who this person is, but then I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. And then like the Eagles will activate somebody who has not played at all because their offensive line was like lean as it comes or whatever. And I'm like, what do we know about this guy? And it, I feel like in that newsroom, it's like very, all the content people are very helpful toward each other. Like we all really like each other. We all really want to help each other succeed. It's nice. It's really, I mean, it is a nice kind of bond that a lot of us have. I couldn't agree more. I think that whether you know someone or don't, this is the first time we've ever talked. I feel like a nice bond to you as well because of that. Um, Well, thank you. I should, the feeling is mutual. 
it's just one of those things, you know? And I think yeah. also when you're covering one sport in particular, when you can kind of pull from other places and talk to different people who are covering everything, your perspective at least yeah. just changes a little bit. Yeah. And if you're all in on one sport, sometimes it's hard. Like sometimes I was, I would be in Winnipeg and like, I can't watch the Sixers game. Like, and I come home and it's, I'm trying to catch up on articles, but then when you talk to somebody about what actually happened versus what you read, it's a different experience. Like they fill in all the nuanced details and stuff. Um, so it is nice to have that because like Amy Fuel and I were talking about this the other day, like, yeah, could she fill in on flyers? Could I fill in on Sixers? Yes. But would we be calling each other before the game to be like, Hey, can you give me a little bit more depth on this person or that person or whatever? Yeah. Because I'm all in on flyers. I'm at practice every single time they're home for practice. Like, it's just, you go all in and you do miss, you get a little bit of blinders and you miss things, but we all have each other's back, which is really nice. That is awesome. This is great. Let me, let's move on to follower questions. I could talk to you all day long. Okay. But you talk about being competitive. Sophia Benedetto asked, did you play sports as a kid and which ones did you play? I played a lot of sports as a kid. Uh, start off as a swimmer. Um, cause I had really bad asthma and I didn't want to take inhalers or nebulizers because I thought, and this is no disrespect to anybody who has to take them. But I, as a little kid was like, don't put that stuff near me. And my mom was like, fine, I'll put you in swimming. It's supposed to make your lungs stronger. And then because I'm like type A, I got really competitive about swimming. Um, and then I got into soccer and that was really my primary sport was soccer. Played all the way through high school. It's the same story everybody has. Played all the way through high school, got recruited for college. Was lucky enough. I was all state a few times. Humble brag, but it's like the one thing I have to my name. Uh, and, uh, and got recruited and then just shredded my knee to bits and decided, and it was, which I was, honestly, probably the biggest blessing in disguise because, uh, a very humbling when you're like a super competitive person and you've like never really like faced something where it's like, you can't just power through it. Very humbling experience. And B once like scholarship offers got pulled and it was like, yeah, we'll give you like a preferred walk-on spot at some of these schools that I was looking at. Um, I was like, forget this. I'm, I'm going to go full bore on the broadcast journalism thing. That's always been my long-term goal. Some money for college would have been nice, but if I'm not getting it, I'm going to really commit to this. And it allowed me to do that. And, uh, and then went to Rutgers and did the whole broadcast journalism thing and poli sci too, which that degree, who knows if I'll ever use that, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, soccer was really my main one. Loved it. Watched a ton of it. I'm trying to watch more soccer again now, actually, because I do love watching it. I just don't because it's on in the mornings and I'm not usually awake yet. Um, and uh, played a little bit of basketball, too. But that was mainly my dad was a college basketball player and wanted me to be a college basketball player. And I didn't want to be a college basketball player. So I'm mainly a foot fairy is what I would say. From Ethan Grugan, what is your favorite Flyers game that you've ever covered? I want to say the stadium series game that was at the link, but I technically didn't do, we did pregame on NBC 10. And then we got to sit inside the media box and the weather was so bad that night. And the team was struggling that year and every they flyers were down. I want to say like five, three or something in the third period. And so everybody started leaving. It was like the ice was like a, like a slushy. It was so gross. You can see the guys were like just struggling to stay upright and everybody leaves. And then the flyers pull off this miraculous comeback. And it was 
that was really fun to watch because the amount of people that stayed was very remarkable to me. Like I for sure thought everyone was going to just pack up and go. And a lot of people did, but um, like the true blue flyers fans stayed and it was like a real sign of pride. I found among people like, like yeah, I was at the state of Jews game. I stayed till the end. Uh, that one was fun. Trying to think. Um, the other game that stands out to me is when the flyers were in the bubble in 2020 and it was the game that Oscar rejoined the team for the first time since cancer treatment. And we were like at Wells Fargo center. It was empty. It was very weird. It was like broadcasting in a ghost town. Like it really did feel like a dress rehearsal. Like everything felt like a dress rehearsal all the time. The games didn't feel real. Our broadcast didn't feel real, whatever, but something about that broadcast and the Oscar part of it um, was like very different for all of us, especially because it had just been in January when we did the big thing on him returning to Wells Fargo Center and it was full of people and they were all clapping for him. And so it's a really full circle moment that stands out. I don't know that I have like a favorite. I have a lot of Carter Hart's first game interviewing his mom. That one's up there because his mom cried and I'm a sympathetic crier. And I had to like, Alexa, it took everything for me not to like fall on television because I cry as soon as I see someone else cry (laughs) and that one was that one was fun she was so proud and she's like telling me all these like little kids stories about Carter about like taking him to hockey practice and all the moments that led to that moment and I'm sitting there and I'm like oh my god Shauna this is amazing um yeah there's a lot like there's there's a ton for a bunch of different reasons and my last question for you is from Nick Nangle does Joel Farabee have a chance in the rap game? And if so, would you be a feature on one of his songs? No, 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 no. I've never heard, has, does Joel have like a mixtape out that I don't know about? I know he loves rap. I don't know if I've ever heard him rap. I have no idea, but I'm a no. I know, listen, <laughs> I know my limitations in life, okay? I can't sing, I can't rap. If I have a few tequila sodas and I'm at like Yakitori Boy late night, like maybe I'll bust out, you know, some really bad rap on karaoke. But um, no, no one's ever going to hear that if I have any, any say. Joel can try. I mean, whatever, whatever young Beezer wants to do, he can do. But I won't be a feature for sure. For sure. You heard it here first, folks. Taryn Hatcher will not be on... Joel Farabee's upcoming maybe never mixtape. I'll be a backup dancer in the music video. There you go. See, there you go. That's perfect. I think that was bad too. (laughs) You guys saw the video of me just now. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Taryn, thank you so much for joining the show. I really do appreciate it. Of course, Alexa.